mad thing, mad thing. I'm in a field like Anglo-Saxon. Yes. Joke, man, don't ask my ranking. Nope. Still cool with the kiddies, no ramping. Killy. Cool kid, guys say I look handsome. <laughs> handsome, <laughs> handsome. <laughs> man, I lying on us about tantrums. Yo. Make a boy lay down, no planking. Mm. Make a boy lay down on my celly. Leave you on the deck like Mike Pantelli. TJ on the block, Spinelli. Jen out the pot, yeah, make a spaghetti. Little man on the wing, Martinelli. He was in the field trying to pop his cherry. Rock that steady, sound of the box on your marks, get ready. Southeast steps southwest, and now we like steps southeast. With Phineas, not Belgique, but with a mop discreet. Free TG, free T, stuck in a box, got a job complete. Four men are on that. <coughs> What's happening, people? Welcome back to another episode of N5 Vibes. I'm your host, Joanne, and today. As always, a lot of things to discuss. I've got the North London Derby to talk about in detail. So leave a watch to talk about in detail. I'm going to give you a little update on the Europa League. And then finally, I'm going to preview our last game before the international break, which will be Sunday's afternoon kickoff away at West Ham at the London Stadium. So yeah, as always, before we get into the main action, follow me on socials at Johanyo uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the brand accounts at Communicado Offi on Twitter and Communicado underscore official on Instagram. And also a quick reminder to follow Outsiders Footy on socials and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And yeah, that's all. Let's get right into the action. All right, so North London Derby, the one game I looked in the calendar to win. I don't want to fucking lose to Tottenham, pardon my language. I hate losing to them. So, given that we had Europa League, of course I know that Europa League is most important right now, but there was no way I was going to tolerate and accept a loss to Tottenham this weekend. Well, the weekend just gone. So, I wanted us to give everything. I wanted us to show passion, commitment, desire, fight for the badge. And I got that. I got that. I really, really got that. We won two goals to one, coming from behind yet again to win a game. Lacazette and Martin Odegaard scoring the winner. I mean, sorry, Lacazette scoring the winner after Martin Odegaard equalised after Manella's insane Rabona goal. But yeah, let's get into a rundown of the game. And I thought we started well. You could see that Emil Smith-Rowe was occupying that left half space and... Uh, Whenever Doherty was getting tight to Kieran Tierney, he was drawing Hoiberg out, making those runs into the towards the wing. And it was um, uh, allowing Xhaka and Partey to really um, to really get a hold of Endombele in the middle, restrict his influence in the game. They were kind of isolated. There was a bit of a disconnect between their midfield, uh, well, between their midfield lines. I'm talking about Tottenham here. And yeah, Darren Bell wasn't really supporting uh, Matt Doherty down that right-hand side. Well, down, down there, right-hand side, and he was allowing Smith, Rowe and Tini to link up well. I think we were doing a good job of penning Spurs in early on, but we were struggling to test Hugo Lloris in their goal. The first real noteworthy event came in the 15th minute when uh, Lloris kicks it out to, I think it's uh, Alderweireld who gives it to Sergio Reguilon. And uh, it was good closing down by Martin Odegaard to force a turnover in their defensive third. He eventually comes out to Smith-Rowe, who kisses the bar with his strike. And he deserved a goal, man, because he played so well in this game. He was very mature, but I'll talk about that more in the player ratings. So, yeah, Smith-Rowe hits the bar. And uh, one thing I noted is that it was a bit surprising that Spurs were choosing to sit off us, given the mistakes that we've been making at the back recently. So... Yeah, they weren't really pressing us. You could see uh, Harry Kane was dropping deep as he normally does. Gareth Bale wasn't too keen on pressing uh, Kieran Tierney. Was, 
he's kind of staying off him. Same with um, Human Son on the left. Wasn't really getting uh, close to Cedric, really, trying to press him. When he had the ball, I think he was trying to stay on Bakayo Saka, make sure Bakayo Saka wasn't really doing anything. And yeah, 33 minutes in, Spurs took the lead with their first shot of the game. It was their first real period of sustained pre- possession, pressure near our area. It was kind of like a minute. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't think we did anything. I don't think we did anything particularly wrong leading up to the goal. I just think it's very well worked. And anyways, it, it results with a switch in play from Gareth Bale to Reguilon, who instantly lays off to Lucas Moura, who accidentally ends up assisting Lamella and a strike from Eric Lamella. Don't take anything away from it. It's a Rabona. It goes through Thomas Partey's legs. Bernd Leno has no chance of saving it because he's kind of unsighted. It's a piece of genius, really and truly. But once again, Arsenal, come on, man. I know it came against to run a play, but once again, we've been punished for not making the most of a solid start. Like I said, it's their first shot of the game, on or off target. You can't allow these things to happen, especially when we come to situations that we will be in the Europa League. When you're on top, you've got to test keepers more and you've got to take your chances when you get them. So we didn't do that. We were 1-0 down. Needs to run a play, like I said. Uh, four minutes later, we hit the woodwork again. It was across from Kieran Tierney. Uh, Lacazette misses it. I don't know what he was trying to do, but it comes all the way out to Cedric, who smacks the post. And to be fair, a lot of our good play was coming down that left-hand side. Smith and Tierney doing bits, blitzing Doherty. And uh, to be honest, you thought that if we were going to get back in the game, that the goal would be created down that side. And that's exactly what happened a minute before halftime. 44th minute. Uh, Tierney beats Doherty, no surprises there. Gets crossing for Martin Odegaard to finish home, albeit it was kind of helped by a deflection through Toby Alderweireld's legs and it deceived, uh, well, it wrong-footed Lloris and went in. I thought the equaliser, 1-1, it was no less than we deserved. And I was very happy with the response to Lamella's opener. And so, half-time, I think uh, my thoughts were that I like the intensity to our play and I like the fact that we remained calm and stuck to our task after that setback and I thought Spurs were really there to be gone and I was very impressed with the way we were playing. I thought um, certainly we deserve to be level if not ahead at half-time. Second half was a bit more of the same but I think we were struggling to create chances, get the crosses in with the same regularity as the first half. I think Spurs were doing a better job of defending those crosses. Again, they weren't really posing much of a threat and they still weren't really pressing us. You could see Jose making those early changes. He brought on uh, Deli Ali and uh, Musa Sissoko on for... Um, what's my man's name? Um, who did he bring off? He brought off... Endo Bele and Gareth Bale. And, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that human song came off for Eric Lamella. He's the one that scored the goal anyway, but yeah. 25 minutes to go. The contentious decision that led to our penalty. So it's another poor kick up by Lloris, who I thought his kicking was dreadful all game. It goes straight out to Pepe, and he plays it straight into Lacazette, and it results in, uh, well, okay. So Lacazette, he goes to shoot. He, he fucks up. It's an air shot. But uh, Sanchez clatters into him afterwards. Well, you could say that um, did Lacazette initiate the contact? Did Sanchez initiate the contact? But either way, Sanchez's momentum has taken him into Lacazette and he's taken him out. He's wiped him out. Uh, The referee, of course, can't see that Lacazette's actually taken an air shot. 
and he points straight to the spot. It's a penalty for Arsenal. Lacazette, no doubt about it. He puts it away, sends Larice the wrong way. 2-1 to the Arsenal. And now it's about seeing out the game. And for me, I was happy to take the lead because I thought we deserved our lead. A bit annoying that the goal came from a contentious decision, but make no mistake about it, we deserved our lead with 25 minutes to go. And I think from then on, this is where things started to change just a little bit. We started to retreat a bit more, started to drop off a bit more. You can see Jack and Party not pressing as high. At times they were trying to get forward, but it weren't really a thing like that. Uh, Lamello got a booking on Thomas Party like five minutes after the goal. And then he gets sent off with 15 minutes to go. And you think, from now, Lamella off, Spurs down to 10. They haven't really done anything of note. Now it's time for us to just comfortably see out the game, go about our business and move on to Thursday. But no, 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 no. This is Arsenal Football Club. We never make anything easy. We love making games harder than they need to be. And so from then on, we started inviting pressure on ourselves for no good reason whatsoever. We were being so sloppy on the ball. We're just giving it away loosely. I think whereas before our moves, our attacking moves were a lot more coordinated, it seemed a bit a lot more individualistic. Like Pepe's going on a run and no one's supporting him. Smith Rowe's going on a run, no one's supporting him. Like is that's trying to hold the ball up. There's no one there for him to give the ball to. Like I don't know what the fuck happened to us, but if anything, we looked like the ones down to ten. It was it was dreadful. It was dreadful to watch. Uh Harry Kane had a goal correctly disallowed from for offside from a free kick, and I thought Okay, you've had your winning shot. Now shut it down. See out the game. No, we no no no. We didn't. We continue to do dumbness. Continue giving the ball away sloppily, not keeping hold of it properly at all. We weren't stemming the flow of the game. Ninetieth minute, Spurs had another free kick. Harry Kane hits the post, and Sanchez, Davidson Sanchez, is shot from the rebound. Is blocked by Gabriel. That was such a crucial block because I don't think Leno is saving that personally if it goes over his head. So that was very important. And then you thought, finally, maybe that's the last chance Spurs have. But no, we continued, continued, continued to let Spurs come on to us. I don't know what the fuck was going on. The midfield too, Jacques and Party, they look like headless chickens. They completely lost their heads. And it's a good thing that Gabriel and uh, David Luiz remained calm and kept theirs. Because if they didn't, I think Tottenham would have equalised. I certainly think that with another five minutes, Spurs might have equalised. And yeah, the last chance did come in the 94th minute when Harry Kane's free kick from close range went just over the bar. And yeah, I was happy. I was happy that we won the game, but I wasn't really happy with the last 15-20 minutes because I thought our game management was appalling and we really tried to give Spurs an equaliser at the end. So yeah, it kind of soured it in some regards for me. Kind of took a bit of the gloss off the, the performance for me. But yeah, that's the rundown of the game. Let's get into the player ratings. And I think I'm going to give Bernd Leno a six. I think his distribution was a little bit iffy, but I can't really blame him at all for the goal because he seemed to be unsighted with all the bodies in and around him. Uh, Cedric, I'm going to give him a six. I think there was a period in the first half where Lucas, when he moved to the left, he kind of had the better of him, and especially um, uh, in the goal, where I think... Uh, Regulon, uh, Lamella, Lucas were certainly coming on to him a bit more. But aside from that, he was very solid down that side. David Luiz gets an eight. I think he went about his quick, his business quietly and he helped marshal his defence. And he gets an extra mark for me because I think when many people were starting to lose their heads towards the end, he kept his. He was a cool, calm, reassuring presence and he was dominant for me. He was dominant against Harry Kane. So, yeah, he gets an eight. Gabriel, 
he gets a nine. He pocketed Harry Kane and he read so many situations in the game expertly to snuff out danger before anything could happen. And of course, his block right at the end, it saved us uh, It saved us uh, all three points. So yeah, I give Gabriel a nine. Kieran Tierney also gets a nine. He completely terrorised Matt Doherty and Gareth Bale all game and he was bound to get an assist from one of the ch- from all those chances he was creating for us. And what I love about Kieran Tierney is this guy gets it. Like, his mentality is a, is a top, top mentality, and we need more players with that same sort of spirit, the fire, determination, the intangibles that Tini has. I want more players like that. Uh, Thomas Party gets a seven. I think he was very good for 70 minutes. Uh, last 20, he was very sloppy. I won't lie to you, he was very, very sloppy. He was giving the ball away needlessly. And one thing I have to say about Thomas Party. my brother, please stop shooting from range. You are terrible at shooting from range. I know you scored some bangers at Atletico Madrid, but please stop doing that. Unless you're going to put it top bins, please stop shooting because it don't bang, man. It don't bang. When Ajaka gets a seven, it, to be honest, I can say the same things about the Thomas Party that, that I can say about when Ajaka. They were solid for 70 minutes, but last 20, sloppy. Very, very sloppy. But as for Jacka, when he's on there not being an idiot, he's very useful to our build-up play. That's what I will say. Uh, Bakayo Saka, he gets a six. He was a little quiet, I can't lie to you, and he looked a little exhausted, and at halftime it transpired that he had a bit of a hamstring injury, so hopefully that isn't anything serious. Uh, Martin Odegaard gets a nine. That was by far his best performance since joining us. He was on it from minute one. The intensity was right. The quality on the ball was there. He was picking up spaces in those pockets. He, he scored his goal, obviously. What a time to get that. Your first Premier League goal after that first Europa League goal in midweek. And yeah, he really showed us why he's a Real Madrid player. What a time to score your first Premier League goal. And he showed us why he is a Real Madrid player amongst Arsenal Europa League mediocrity. So yeah, that was lovely to see from Martin Odegaard. Smith Rowe also gets a nine. He was very dynamic. He was very mature on that left wing. He consistently dragged Hoiberg out of position and kept hold of the ball superbly. In fact, we missed that a lot when uh, when he came off for William. And I think we struggled when he came off, even though I know he was uh, very tired. And finally, before we get into the subs, Alex Lacazette, he gets an eight. He offered us a lot in and out of possession. I thought uh, he gave Sanchez a few problems in the first half, particularly um, the penalty. His goal was well taken. And yeah, overall, it was a good performance from Laka. He tends to show up in these sort of games, so I was very happy with his performance. He gets an 8. As for the subs, Elneny and William went on long enough to get a rating, so I can't give them a rating. Uh, the sub who did come on at half-time, that was Nicola Pepe. I gave him a 7. I think it took a while to actually get in the game, but uh, once he did get in the game, he was very good. He offered us a lot. He was direct. He was running at regular. And of course, he he kind of assisted the goal in a sense because um, it was his pass that uh, led to Lacazette winning the penalty. So, yeah, I was happy with uh, Nicolas Pepe, Nicola Pepe's impact off the bench. And, yeah, just my final thoughts before we get into uh, some other stuff. Of course, North London is red. And don't you ever fucking forget it. The good, the bad and the ugly all came to pass from us in this game. Some of which I've mentioned already. Of course, the good being uh, how well we did penning Spurs in for at least the first 70, 75 minutes. The bad, and I think in terms of the bad, I would probably define that as 
as as much as we were creating chances and getting those crosses into the box, we weren't really actually testing Lloris, and I think we don't test opposition keepers enough. And Diogli, I don't need to tell you what Diogli was, apart from saying that it was the last 15, 20 minutes of the game. It was appalling, and uh, Arteta acknowledged that in the in the presser after the game. Good to see that he, had, that he acknowledged it. For 75 minutes, we were outstanding and winning comfortably, but can we put teams away earlier? I don't like having to... I don't like having games being decided on contentious decision. It seems like all of our games are decided by fine margins at the minute, and that's kind of annoying. I want to be comfortable as an Arsenal fan. Maybe that will come when we get better plays, but who knows? The last 15 minutes, like I said, very concerning, particularly the lack of game management, inability to keep hold of possession, and we weren't winning those second balls that we were previously. Like You can see before, if um, if Laka wasn't winning the first ball, then Party was winning the second ball. If... Um, Smith Rowe wasn't winning the first ball, then Jacques was winning the second ball. Like we were always winning the second balls up until about the 70th, 75, 75th minute, sorry. And from then on, I don't know what the fuck happened to us. But yeah, we need to take on board those lessons going into the Europa League. Like I said, we don't test opposition keepers enough. As for the whole Aubameyang situation, of course, he got dropped for disciplinary reasons. He was late for the game. And as for him being dropped, I know he's our captain, but I agree with it. He has to show strong leadership, strong management, and Arteta did that. I fully support the decision, even though I love Oba. But yeah, it was the right decision. Hopefully he took it well. We have to draw a line under it and move on. As for the team in general, Arteta, I think there are very clear improvements, which we can see. I like, um, especially in terms of patterns of play, I can certainly see that. And I think there's a lot of building blocks for us to work on going into next season. But um, there's still a few things lacking. And I think some of them just can't be achieved with these set of players, really and truly. So in the summer, we're going to really need to back Arteta financially. And I think the things we can improve, that we actually can work on on the training ground, I don't think we're incisive enough in the final third at times, like I said, and I've said this a number of times now, we don't test opposition keepers enough. Just our general technical security, I think we can be sloppy on the ball for absolutely no reason. And I think we need to work a bit on our game management. We don't um, always take the sting out of the game when opponents get ahead of steam. And then, yeah, so final point, let's not rest on our laurels, of course. Enjoy this win, savour it. But we have a we have a job to do against Olympiacos to see out the tie, and then obviously West Ham on Sunday. So remain focused. Let's do our job and let's try and win this Europa League. It's a good win, but um, we want to have moments like this consistently throughout our season. So we can't um, we can't think that we're Billy Big Bollocks now just because we beat Tottenham. No, it don't work like that. It's a new day. It's a new time, and we have more with sticks to rectify. So yeah, that's all from the game. Let's move on to hashtag Saliba Watch. So Saliba Watch takes us away from home yet again. Nice were away at Lorient this weekend. It was a Sunday, 2 p.m. kickoff. And uh, yeah, away at Lorient. This time, uh, Saliba, he wasn't playing alongside his uh, normal partner of late, Jean-Claude Saliba. He was suspended, I think, for a booking he picked up in the cup game against Monaco. It might have been a booking in the other game. I can't really... Number two tough, but yeah. And anyways, he was alongside Robson Bamboo this time. Again, sticking with that. Uh, to be fair, it seemed a bit more like a 4-2-3-1 this weekend as opposed to the 4-3-3 they've been employing in recent weeks, especially with the... I say that specifically because of where Alexis Claude Maurice was being deployed. He seemed to be playing more in the hole, like in the 10 role, as opposed to that, that floating creative 8 role that he's been playing in more recently. 
But yeah, playing the north side Bamboo, I think uh, it took a while for for Nice in general to get in the game. I think around 45 minutes for them to really, really wake up. And you could see elements of that come to pass in the first half. I think the be- the first big chance of the game fell to Lorient inside three minutes. It was a long diagonal ball out from the back from Lorient, straight up to Murphy. Now, this wasn't any, a, a great piece of defending because Saliba and Bambu both get drawn to Murphy. Neither of them really get tight enough to him. And it allows Murphy to play the ball in behind them straight up to Armand Lorient who forces a good save from Benitez, and this is three minutes in, so they needed to wake up, really, and truly, I think, Saliba. There was a bit of a battle going on between him and Terran Moffi. You could see that in the first opening 15, 20 minutes. They were, I think Moffi especially was trying to get on his blind side. But to be fair to Saliba, he was coping with it quite well in terms of the physical aspect. I still think his reading of the game can improve. There were a few times where Lorient were trying to play those first-time crosses into the box, and he was... He was dealing with them, but a little bit iffy, a little bit shaky, and I think that's an area of his game he needs to improve. He needs to def- to be better defending low crosses. I think that can certainly improve from him. Early on, Noyon were shading possession, but aside from when they were moving the ball, aside from when they were being direct, they were actually getting it to, into dangerous areas when Nice were able to get back into shape, remaining compact. I don't think uh, the wing backs were providing as much of a threat as maybe they would would have liked to. Uh, Fifteen minutes in, uh, Loria had another good chance, and there was this time it was a good block from Saliba to deny Mafia Klesha on goal after Loria forced an error from Nimelu to win the ball back in uh, Nice's defensive third. And like I said, good battle going on between Mr. Saliba and Mafi, but. Eventually, it wasn't a thing because I think he soon realised, or Muffy soon realised, that Bamboo was definitely the weaker of the two centre-backs, not just uh, physically, but also in terms of his reading of the game. So he started he started targeting him, him a bit more. And yeah, they were trying to play those first-time balls in behind from the wing-backs from uh, Le Goff and uh, Helgo. Which was seemingly which was seemingly catching Bamboo out on the blind side a few times, but uh, fortunately Benitez was alert and awake and uh, either catching the ball, snuffing it out, or making a save if he needed to. Nice were unable to get their front three on the ball and in the game for the first 30-35 minutes, in my opinion. I think their moves were breaking down in midfield quite a lot. I don't think they were recycling the ball particularly well. I think I think there was a bit too much of a disconnect between uh, Alexis Claude Maurice playing in that in that hole, the 10 role, and uh, Schneiderlin and uh, Lee Melu playing deeper. I think uh, the three that uh, Lorient had in midfield, I think it was uh, Enzo Lefay. Uh, what's my man's name? I'm gonna need to check this. Who was playing? Who was playing in the middle for them? But I think uh, whatever their rules were, they were doing a good job of uh, really swamping the midfield. So I really want to get them by name. I know Enzo Lefay is one of them. Uh, it was Enzo Lefay, uh, Abigail, the captain, and Boys Guard. Those were the three I'm talking about. Yeah, they did a good. They did a good job of swamping the midfield. And uh, just not allowing Lee Melu and Schneiderlin to really receive the ball off the centre-halves and build from the back. I think uh, Nice were having to resort to a lot of long balls forward, but it wasn't really sticking when it would come up to Guiri or Maolida or what's my man's name? 
Dolberg up front. That's the other one. I don't think he had a great game up front, to be honest with you. So, yeah, Nice was struggling to get their front three, front four in the game, if you want to call it that. But um, the only reason why Lorient weren't ahead at halftime is because fundamentally they were just lacking a bit of quality in the final third, as opposed to Nice, who, when they were getting the final third, you could see the quality they had, like Maolida, he's trying to get the better of Shalabar, but it weren't really a thing because Shalabar was uh, dominating him. And the same for the other centre-back, which was... Uh, I'm sorry, people, I really should uh, get to know some of these players. It was Gavion on the other side and the Laporte who were doing a good job of just swamping them, to be honest with you. So, yeah. Um, anything else to say about the first half? Not really. I think whatever the manager said to Nice, well, Christian Oseo, whatever he said to those Nice players at halftime, it seemingly worked because they came out the traps. They showed a lot closer to their free-flowing uh, attacking selves. And I think uh, for the first 15, 20 minutes of the, of the second half, they were by far the better team. And they actually went on to score in that period. Albeit, the game, I mean, the goal which they scored was a little bit lucky because it's kind of like a loose ball from uh, Guiri into Maolida. No, sorry, it wasn't Guiri. It was Alexis Claude Maurice. It's kind of just a ball across the across the middle third out to Mizzi and Maolida. And he goes an amazing run past the Shalabar. It kind of got twisted up, shepped up. Laporte, I don't know where the hell that guy went. But yeah, he goes an amazing run. He scores this one nil Nice. And uh, considering the start that Nice made to the second half, there was a chance before that where, to, where um, I think Dolberg just about missed uh, Latomba's cross at the back post. But yeah, Nice were Nice certainly started the second half the better team. They deserved their lead. They were good value for their lead. And what you wanted to see from Nice going into the rest of the second half was a bit of game management. Well, if not game management, was certainly going up a gear. You felt like watching the Nice side at that time, they had another gear to go up to. But things didn't transpire like that. They fell back into their old habits. They weren't recycling the ball well in midfield again. I think there was too much of a disconnect between Alexis Claude-Maurice, Nime Lu and Schneiderlin yet again. And it allowed uh, Lorient to get back into the game, albeit the goal which they did concede. This was about 25 minutes to go. This came from Johan Visa. It actually comes from Nice's own Nice's own error. You can see they're trying to... I think Nice are trying to create an overload on the left with uh, Hassan Kamara, um, uh, Claude Maurice and Guerrero all in a little bit of a triangle, but they lose the ball sloppily. I think it's Gravion that passes out to uh, Lorient. And bear in mind that Lorient is like more or less... Um, near his own box, he manages to go on an amazing run all the way up the pitch, going past five, six players, including Saliba. To be fair, they all got caught out of position. I don't think they were intending for Lorient to come out, come at them like that. They were all retreating. They all sent back the other way. He manages to get all the way up the field into Nice's box, and he unselfishly lays it off to Johan Visa, who makes it 1-1 with 25 minutes to go. And... Yeah, it was disappointing from a Nice perspective because, yes, they hadn't played well in the first half and they could have easily been a goal down if not for some good goalkeeping. But uh, certainly the way they started the second half, you wanted to see a bit more game management. You wanted to see them step up again, like I said, and it just never happened. And from then on, after the equaliser, they struggled to get a grip of the game. And um, yeah, I think to be fair to Nice, they did defend well. I think uh, in terms of... Uh, 
Terran Murphy, who I mentioned earlier, I think he struggled to really get a sniff. I think they struggled to create clear-cut chances, and ultimately, Lorient won, Nice won. I think overall is a f- it's an interesting game. It's an interesting game. It's an interesting scoreline to dissect and reflect on, because I think on another day, Lorient could easily have won it. But given the fact that for as much as they dominated the ball, as much as they dominated the game and had uh, Nice really struggling to um, express themselves, they didn't really create too many clear-cut chances, to be honest with you. They, I don't think they tested Benitez enough and they didn't really take advantage of Nice being so... Um, lifeless in the first half, really and truly. As for Nice, they need to find more consistency in their performances. Uh, you've seen it a few times this season. They can look good in, in game. They can look uh, equally as bad. So they were only really on top for about 15, 20 minutes, which against the side fighting relegation, is it really good enough? No, not really. And it keeps them 12 on the table, 36 points. The season is ambling towards a whole load of nothing. They're nine points off the relegation zone, but also nine points off Europa League. So if they go on a mad run, maybe they could qualify for Europe, but I don't see them really generating that a sort of run like that to propel them towards being in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. So, yeah, as for William Saliba, I think... Generally, if you don't see a lot of a centre-back in a game, then generally it means that they're doing a good job. I don't really see too much of Saliba in the second half, to be fair, because like I said, Lorient weren't really creating too many clear-cut chances. I do think he made some uh, good blocks and he snuffed out danger well, which was nice to see. I think at times they were, his positioning was a little bit suspect. Like To be fair, the whole team, they kind of pushed up a little too high at times, but overall... I think what will please the Nice manager, Christian Osea, is that as bad as they were, as as lifeless as they were, not bad as they were, because that's kind of harsh in the defence, but as lifeless as they were, they still had the temerity and the temperament to come out of there with a draw up against the side who, who did have a lot of threats. They could have crumbled up against the physical threats that they have. Uh, Lorient have a lot of uh, pace, athleticism in their team, like I mentioned. Lorient, uh, Moffy's a big physical presence. Jan Visa, when he came on, he's a fast lad and he's a very good lad. He's chipped in with a fair few goals this season. So, yeah. On another day, you might have seen Bamboo and Saliba struggle to get to grips with that, but I think uh, as the game went on, they, it wasn't really a thing. I think uh, certainly Schnadlin and Imedu helped them out with that. And overall, the draw is fair. So, yeah, Lorient won, uh, Nice won. Yeah, that's all from me and that. I'll be back next. I'll be back in the next pod to talk about uh, his last game before the international break, which I think is at home to Marseille on Saturday. So, yeah, I'll talk about that in the next pod. So, before we get into the last section, which will be the West Ham Arsenal preview, let's talk a little bit about the Europa League. And, of course, we're 3-1 up from the first leg uh, going into this evening's second leg against Olympiacos. Uh, Martin Odegaard scored the first goal, then Gabriel and Elneny scored late on to give us a 3-1 win after that mistake. Calamitous error for El Arabi's equaliser. Yeah. Going into this game, I just want to see us do a professional job. Um, listen, three away goals, so Olympiacos have to score three at least. You have to win at least three nil. so just don't be stupid, Arsenal, really and truly. And so 
before we get into the West Ham Arsenal preview, I'm going to give you my predicted 11 for this uh, game uh, tonight. So, Ingo, I'm going to go with Bandano. Uh, right back, I'm going to go with Hector Bellerin. I didn't play in the North London derby. I'm going to stick with David Luiz and Gabriel at the back. Well, at centre-half, sorry. Kirantini, of course, picks himself at left-back. Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka, midfield. Um, I'm not sure about Bukayo Saka's fitness, so I'm going to go with uh, Nicola Pepe on the right. Martin Odegaard will keep his place on the well, in the 10 role. I'm going to go with William on the left, just because I think Arteta might bring him back in. And up front, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Of course, he made that, uh, well, he had that disciplinary error. At the weekend, we, like I said, draw a line under it, move on. He's our captain. He's our best centre forward. He starts the game for me. So, yeah, that's my 11 going into this game. Let's see it out. So, hopefully, I can be talking about the quarterfinal draw in next week's pod. So, yeah, let's get into the West Ham Arsenal preview. All right, so to round off the spot, let's go with the West Ham Arsenal preview. And, of course, going into the game, Fifth against tenth, West Ham fighting tooth and nail to get in the Champions League. They're three points behind Chelsea at the moment. We are tenth, level on points with Aston Villa. If we win the game, we can potentially go above them until they play their game against Spurs. So let's see what happens in it. But before we get into some tactical notes, let's go with a few stats. And uh, we've gone to the London Stadium four times since uh, West Ham moved there. And our record stands at 1-2, including last season's 3-1 win. Drawn 1, which was a 0-0 draw, I think, in Arsene Wenger's last season. And lost 1, which was a 1-0 defeat in January 2019. I was under Unai Emery. And uh, we've won our last three meetings with West Ham in all competitions. And they've only beaten us twice since 2007 in all competitions. So, on to the tactical notes. And I watched the game back. Well, the, the game we played earlier in the season when we beat them 2-1 at the Emirates, that uh, late goal from Eddie and Ketius, um deciding it. And I think we struggled with their physicality, mainly in midfield for large parts of the game. Especially in midfield, I thought um, uh, Suchek and Rice had the better of Xhaka and uh, Danny Sabayas for large parts of the game, particularly the second half. I think we struggled to deal with Mikel Antonio up front. And it was him that scored, wasn't it? Yeah, it was him that scored. So, yeah. Uh, someone we need to watch out for. The danger man in this game will probably be Jesse Lingard. He's a man we've born. In six appearances since joining West Ham on loan, he has four goals and two assists. And, of course, he loves playing against us. No one can no one can forget the fucking moonwalk. And, um, he did a moonwalk. And, and he Millie rocked as well. Fucking hell. I swear to God, if this guy scores again, I'm going to be so pissed off. But, yeah, we need to watch out for him. In terms of uh, where we need to be most wary of West Ham, probably, I think, of set pieces. We need to be wary defending those because, of course, Cresswell is a lovely set piece taker with that left foot of it. That really is a wand and they have a lot of aerial threats. Players I've already mentioned like Thomas Suchek, uh, Angelo Bonner, Mikel Antonio, Declan Rice, uh, Craig Dawson, who's found a touch for goal this season. So, yeah, need to be need to be wary of that. I think we, we need to be patient in this game because West Ham are very well drilled and com- and compact. They're comfortable seeing possession. And in their last five games, they've averaged uh, 36.6% possession. So they tend to... They let teams play. They let teams play. So uh, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if uh, we have large 
periods of possession and so the onus will likely be on us to try and break them down they'll probably try and hit us on the break so yeah i need to watch that and uh dust means that uh, they're very good at exploiting teams in transition so i don't want to see this become a game of cat and mouse like we did in the first game at the emirates Although to be fair i think we got unbear at controlling teams that play like that like i think we did that to a degree quite well against spurs i don't think we give them a sniff i don't think we allowed bale son well he's on the pitch i mean lucas and kane to really get in the game until like 15 minutes 20 minutes to go so we did that well and so yeah i'll give you my predicted 11 going into this game i'm gonna go with the uh, burn leno in goal uh cedric at right back after his uh solid performance in the derby I'm going to make some changes at the back. I'm going to bring in uh, Rob Holding and Pablo Murray and give Louise and Gabriel a rest after the amount of games they've been playing recently. Kieran Tini keeps his place at left back. Midfield will go with Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka. Uh, on the right, I'm going to go with, uh, well, right wing, I'm going to go with uh, Nicola Pepe, who will keep his place. In the turn row, I'm going to go with, um, now, I'm going to go with Amos Mifro, return him to the turn row. I'm going to get, bring Bakayo Saka back in on the left. And up front, I'm going to go with Alex Lacazette. So, yeah, that's my team. Leno, Ben Leno, Cedric, Rob Holden, Pablo Mari, Kieran Tini, Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka, Nicola Pepe, Emo Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, and Alexandra Lacazette is my 11 for the game. So, just my final thoughts going into this one. It's the last game for the international break. Can we end on a positive note? Of course, um, Listen, it's most likely that we're going to end up finishing, I'd say, anywhere from 6th to 10th, in my opinion. But um, let's try and get some consistency, some serenity in our performances. Let's try and have a solid 90 minutes, because I think I think we've had patches of games where we played really well, patches of games where we haven't played really well. But I'm yet to see a consistent 90 minutes fluid performance from this Arsenal team, really and truly. Like, I think... The Tottenham game is probably the closest we got to that, but then we fell apart in the last 15 minutes and uh, we didn't get punished, fortunately for us. So, yeah, it's, it's all about how we manage this game, to be honest, because in some ways, the onus is on West Ham to come out more. They're the ones chasing Champions League football. They're the ones who um, need the points more, shall we put that in inverted commas, because let's be honest, us are fighting, uh, focusing mainly on Europa League. So if West Ham want top four, they're going to have to beat teams like us well, teams in and around them like us, so they need to come out. They didn't really do them themselves justice the way Old Trafford against Manchester United when they lost 1-0. I think that was a Craig Dawson own goal which settled it. But yeah, they didn't really do themselves justice and um, they have struggled in games like these where they're coming up against sides on par with them, if not better at times. Like I know they beat Tottenham, but they kind of struggled and uh, Tottenham penned them back in in the second half. They really... Um, they look like a rabbit stuck in headlights, in flashing headlights when they played Liverpool. They completely outplayed in that game, lost deservedly 3-1. And Manchester City, they gave them a game, but ultimately nothing to show from it, another defeat. So they have a lot of big games coming up. They face Everton, Leicester and Chelsea before the end of the season. So they really need to start taking points from teams like Arsenal if they want to have a chance of being in the Champions League next season. So... Yeah, another point. The final point uh, before we end off is I want to see some more consistency from Arsenal, really and truly. Like, it's probably the best one we've been on uh, since that uh, run in January where we were winning games on the bounce. So, yeah, consistency is the aim. I want to see this sort of consistency. If we can get a positive result here, I want to see that carry over into Liverpool game after the international break. So, 
yeah, man, that's all from me. I've got nothing else to say on the game, really and truly. So, yeah, hopefully we win tonight. Hopefully we win against West Ham on Sunday. And the next week pod, when I kind of, like, take a general view of everything, review the game and all of that stuff, of course, I can be a bit more balanced on things where I think we can improve on going into the to the home stretch of the season. So, yeah, that's going to be all from me, people. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you enjoy your weekend. Uh, yeah, as always, uh, like I said at the beginning, follow me on my all my social accounts. Uh, check out the CoPod, which will be out tomorrow, where I talk a bit about the Champions League and Europa League. I'll look at the draw for the quarterfinals in both competitions, and I'll also preview the Premier League games this weekend. So, yeah, I'm going to get out of here, people. Uh, yeah. Enjoy your weekend and I'm out. Peace. I'm in a field like Anglo Saxon. Short man, don't ask my ranking. Still cool with the kiddies, no ramping. Cool kid, guys say I look handsome. Handsome, handsome. Man, I lying on us about tantrums. Make a boy lay down, no planking. Make a boy lay down on my celly. Leave you on the deck like Mike Pantelli. TJ on the block, Spinelli. Jen out the pot, yeah, make a spaghetti. Little man on the wing, Martinelli. He was in the field trying to pop his cherry. Rock that steady, sound of the box on your marks, get ready. Southeast steps southwest, and now we like steps southeast. With Phineas, not Belgique. Bop with a mop discreet. 3TG, 3T, stuck in the box, got the job complete. Four men are